In the beginning of Parshas Kisovli, we have the Mitzvah Bikuri. Now there's a Medrash in Bereshis, Medrash Rabbah, that says that um, when it says Bereshis, it means Bishvil Reshis, for the purpose of certain things that are called Reshis, Hashem created the world. So one of those things is Bikurim. Like it says, Reshis Priyat Mosecha Tobi Beis Hashem So the Al Sheikh asks, it's pretty bizarre. You're going to say the world was created for the mitzvah Bikurim. Of all mitzvahs, first epis, the world was created for the purpose of Bikurim. That's what he asks. How well, do you understand how that becomes such a central mitzvah in the creation of the world? So um, to understand this, you have to understand also, it says that the world was created Bishvil Yisro. Kali said created the world for Yisro. And Yisro is called Reishis, because it says, Kodesh uh, Yisro, Reishis Tevu Asa. So Yisro is called Reishis Tevu Asa. So if we understand why Yisro is called Reishis, we can already get an understanding about Bikurim. So the, the, the Maral is Masbir that the Kodesh who created the world, so he had an objective, right? And there was a purpose in creation. Now that purpose it says that uh, you have a cloud that soif maiseb right? When you see the end of an action, you know that that is the product of the original machshava. So if you see a building, you know that there was a blueprint which defined and designed this building, and the result, the Saif Maisa, is the Machshava, is the blueprint. Because Shvoch created the world with the goal of creating a cloud Yisrael. The objective in creating the world, the world was created to bring a cloud Yisrael into the world. So the existence of a cloud Yisrael is the racious. Cloud Yisrael is the racious. Racious meaning, what is the purpose? What was the... Uh, the, uh, the exact tachlis with which HaKadosh created the world and that was that what germinated into the creation of the world. What did HaKadosh Baruch uh, want from the world? The idea is the world is not just for the tachlis of having a Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael's mission in this world is to reveal the presence of HaKadosh Baruch The world is an oilum, it's, a, it's helum, it's hiding something. Kodesh Baruch could easily have created the world where everybody would look and know that there's a Rabbi Nishmael. Everyone could have been Maminim, he could have created people that are programmed to know Hashem, to see Hashem, to believe it. But he created the world differently. He created where he hides his presence. And the role of Cloud Yisrael is to be Megala, the presence of Kodesh Baruch. And to the extent that you will fulfill giloi, kivoidoi, that's your oilum haba, to a certain extent. You will have that revelation of a Kodesh Baruch that you revealed, you'll be able to connect to it in real, in mamish b'be'etz. I'll call upon him, this is the tachlis of Klal So We have to bring to the world and show the world as a boire oilum. How do we show the world as a boire oilum? By living as we're supposed to, and through mitzvahs and ma'isim toivim, we bring the shechina to the world, we create that there's more elokus in the world, and that's the way we create it. So now we get to the mitzvah bikurim. What is the tachlis of the mitzvah bikurim? 
<coughs> what you're saying is that Reish is Priyad Moscha, that I worked on this field. It looks like this is a process that just happens. You plant and you sow, you sow and you gr- and it grows and you harvest and you sow and you grow and you harvest. It looks like there's a cycle. But we take from what we harvested and we take the ratios and we give it back to the source from where it came. We take what we have and we say this goes back to the source, to the makar of everything. There's a boy reoyim. So bikurim is a mitzvah in which we go back to the source and we identify that whatever we have in this world didn't just come by itself. There's a creator, and it's a rabbi and he gave me this food, and he gave me these possessions, and I give it back to him to say it all comes from HaKadosh Baruch. So with that in mind, there's a... a Meredik about in the parasha that says the following. It says in the Pasuk, the coin will take the basket. The word tene, tes nun alev, has a numerical value of 60. So tene begematri yasamach. Remez lebikurim echod misamach. That is a remez that the Rabbonon said you should give for bikurim at least one sixtieth of your produce. Yet how much should you give? But the Rabbonon the Bikurim doesn't have a shear. Elvam Shein Lam Shia, Peva Bikurim, the right. But Chazal gave a shear one out of sixty. Vulokach, and therefore, Nelam Samach with Parshish Bikurim. If you read through the whole Parsha Bikurim, there was no letter Samach in the entire Parsha. Right? So, first of all, you got to understand if, if 60th is the, is the shear, we should have a lot of Samachs in the Parsha, right? Why are there no Samachs in the Parsha of Bikurim, right? He's thinking through the words of the Parsha. And think, and so, but there's no Samach in the Parsha. The, the closest you get is the word 10 has a gematri of 60. So what is the Pshat? So he so saw in the Sefer Mimamakim, he, he, he talks about this. So he says like this. He says, in the world, there are two very, very basic common symbols. There's a line and a circle. Those are the two most basic symbols you have, a straight line and a circle. The straight line represents going from point A to point B. A circle represents there's no beginning, no end. It just goes around and around and around, and it doesn't start, doesn't end. In language, in Hebrew language, we have two letters that represent that. The samach represents the circle, and the vav represents the line. The vav is basically a yud with a line coming beyond it. The letter Yud always represents a machshava. Rashi says by Oz Yoshir, Oz Yoshir. So he says the Yud in Yoshir, the Yud always represents the initial machshava. So when you have a Yud and then a line coming from it, that remember there's an initial thought and then something coming out of the thought, a straight line. A circle, a samach represents there's something continuous, continuous, no beginning, no end. Is Bikurim the tachlis of Bikurim is to represent the fact there is a beginning. There was a Bore Oilam. Everything goes back to Hashem. I have this fruit, but it's all from the Bore Oilam. I have to give it back to Kodesh Borch. 
the Samach would represent, this is just the way it is. It's never, there's no creator. The world has been this way. Your father was born to his parents, to their parents, to their parents. This has been going on for gazillion years, right? So there's no, so the Parsha Bikurim, with the whole Tamsis of the Parsha, is to take you back and remind you there's a creator who creates the world, who gives you your Parnasa, who helps you feel grow. Give back to him what's rightfully his. In that parsha, there's no place for a letter Samach. Samach represents the antithesis of what this is all about. The only place where you find a remez is the word tena. The word tena is the fruit in the basket. It's no longer connected to the source. So you can look at the fruit in the basket, which is not connected to the source, and say, so, okay, that's the way it is. You have fruit, you go to the store, you buy fruit, and that's the way it is. Where the fruit come from? Seven-mile market, right? That's, that's where it comes from, right? You, you, you're not following where it comes from. So there's no samach in the parsha, but the word tenna, the basket, which holds the payrus not connected to their source, is at least maramis to this concept. But the message is you take one out of that 60. You take one from that 60, which represents that there's no beginning, and you say, yes, there is a beginning. And I take that, and I give it back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's the, that's the lesson of Bikurim. So that idea is to recognize that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the message of Bikurim. But um, today, we don't have Bikurim. So the Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu said, this was Zion, and there's no base on Bikurim, there's no Bikurim. So they were masakin, you have to daven three times a day. So part of the tefillahs are just like you come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and you come to recognize everything comes from Hashem. The purpose of davening is not just to ask Hashem for things. Hashem knows what you need. The purpose of davening is to recognize the makoyer of everything is from Hashem. I ask Hashem to give me parnosa. I'm identifying and I'm saying, I know where Parnosa comes from, so I'm coming to you or Boishim to ask for it. But if I didn't daven, I might think Parnosa is just a law of chance. It's a, it's a gairul. And if I make it, I make not, not. If I daven to Hashem, I'm recognizing the Makoir is a Kodesh Baruch It's also why we daven at times where there's a Chiddush of the world. You have to daven in the morning, we say, At night, we say, maybe maybe Times in Minchus David Bedimdume Chama when the sun is beginning to set. Always time with his Achidish in the Bria on his manam of Tfila because it always is Miramis to the fact that the Bria did not come from itself. There's a beginning and an end. So, just in that vein, I want to share a Misa I saw. To recognize that everything comes from Hashem. Just how you have to realize that. So, there was a Misa was told over by Rav Osher Druk. I saw it gedrooked in the book, but um, he told over to Misa that there was a Yid who lived in Eretz Yisrael. He wakes up one morning, everything is going normal, he's had a happy life, he's married, his kids, everything is routine. Wakes up one morning and he's got pain in his eye and he can't see out of one of his eyes. So he makes an appointment right away by an eye doctor. The eye doctor examines him and says, um, I think this is something serious. I'm sending you to a specialist. So he gets in the taxi, goes to the specialist. Specialist checks him over. Says, you got a serious problem. I'm sending you to a top ophthalmologist in, in Eretz Yisrael. I'm making an appointment right now. Can you go right now? He says, yeah, okay. So he goes to the top ophthalmologist, gets in an appointment right away that day. 
He checks him over and he says, you got a serious problem. There's only one doctor in the world that can do this operation, and he's in America. You've got to go to America right away. So he gets in touch, I assume, with Rabbi Fierer, who's involved in all these medical things. He looks over the paper, over the folder. He says, you've got to go to America. My secretary will arrange for it. And the next thing he knows, he's, you know, a day that started, you know, a routine day in the morning. Next thing he knows, he's on his way there to America. Comes to America, he goes to this, uh, gets an appointment by this top specialist, and he examines him and gives a thorough examination. And he says, um, "You, I'm afraid you can, if we don't operate, you're going to lose your other eye as well. We have to operate immediately. So the guy says, can I just have a, you know, can, can it wait a few hours? He says, I can wait a few hours. When you're ready to operate, call me. So he, he leaves the office. He finds out where, the, where there's a shul nearby. He goes into the shul, and the shul is empty. He goes up to an Kodesh. He starts davening. And for some reason, instead of davening and saying, Hashem, please save my eye, he starts thanking Hashem for everything in his life. And for about two hours, he's standing there, and he's going through everything. We're going to thank you for my legs. Thank you for my hands. Thank you for my nose. Thank you for the last 50 years that my eyes were. Thank you for my wife and my children, for my parents. Every prop in his life. And the more he's thanking, the more he thinks about what he has to thank. For two and a half hours, he's going on and on and on. And then he finally, he finishes, and he says, Mabayashim, please, help me have my eyes back so I can thank you for that as well. Goes to the eye doctor. He says, okay, I'm ready. But can you do me a favor? Before you operate, you examine me one more time. The doctor says, okay, fair enough. He examines him again, the same thorough examination. And the doctor says, I have to apologize. I really missed something in the first examination. I don't think you have a problem at all. But I'm going to call my colleagues just to double check. Calls in a bunch of associates. Everyone tells him there's not, nothing wrong. I said, this is amazing. I can't believe it. But there's nothing wrong. You're good to go. So, again, so the Yid goes home and everything is good. So this story was told over by Rav Cook, who's the Rav in Rechovus in Eretz Yisrael. And so he's telling over the story that he heard from a Boshe Druk to an audience in Rechovus. He tells the story. Six weeks later, he gets a call from the Yid in Rechovus crying. And he says, I want you to know, I was by your shear. You told over the story about the Yid with the eye problem. So I understood maybe this is what we need to do. We need to thank Hashem more. So I came home, I have two daughters who are like pushing 30. And um, nothing's going. I don't know what's going to be. I came home after the shmooze and I started to sing Oy Shoma. My daughters looked at me like I fell off the moon. I started singing in case in Moroccan. And I say, children, tonight we're doing the whole family. We're taking pads and pens, and everyone's going to write down all the things they have to be thankful to Hashem. And everyone thought I was crazy, but I gave out pads and pens. We sat down that evening for hours writing down everything we had to thank Hashem for, the whole family. But when everyone finished, they were mamish crying, no one believed how much they could write. They just wrote and wrote and wrote every single thing to be thankful for. He said, two weeks later, my daughter, my 29-year-old daughter became a kawa, and I'm calling you up now because I'm on my way to the vort of my second daughter. So this is a moyotikazach. This is the mitzvah of Bikurim. 
This is the whole tachlis, is to recognize everything is from a Kodesh Baruch. One beautiful story I heard, that there was a, a Yid who davened by the blues of a Rebbe Shtibel in Borough Park. So he davened there, and so he was really a chassid of the Ozer of a Rebbe, the Moshe Chil Epstein. He wrote the Be'er Moshe and the Eshtas, but he, he, he moved there at Yisrael. But the Yid was an Ozer of a chassid, but by the blues of a Rebbe, everybody was, everyone was at home, he was there, it was a shtibel, Gavaldi. So he davens there. So he had a baby boy. And uh, so right away, where am I going to make the bris? By the blues of a Rebbe, who's going to be the Sandik, the blues of a Rebbe. In the middle of the week, he finds out that the Ozerov is coming to Boro Park for Shabbos. So as the Ozerov said, he has to make the Ozerov a Sandik. But, you know, so he's afraid. What's going to be? I'm going to have the Ozerov Rebbe be the Sandik. So I, I can't tell the Blue Shiver Rebbe that I had a child because the Blue Shiver Rebbe is going to expect me to make him the Sandik and make the, the bris in his shul. So he doesn't know what to do. What's he supposed to do? He can't go to shul and not say gachamas to the Rebbe. He comes up with this ingenious idea. He takes his little kids to shul. And he hopes that the kids make a noise, make a racket. And sure enough, the kids live up to their expectations and they make a lot of noise. So he, you know, he takes the kids and, you know, he's, he's leaving the shul, you know, making a scene out of it that the Rebbe should see I was here. I had to leave because of the kids. I couldn't say gachamas to you. And I did a prisoner. The Blue Rebbe sees this guy walking out, and he leaves the Mizrachvant. He makes a beeline for this guy, and uh, he, he says to him, "If Fashtay, I understand what's going on, right? And I want to tell you something, right? First of all, Mazel Tov, you had a baby, right? And I want to tell you something. The bris is going to be in my base medrash, and the Ojibar Rebbe is going to be the Sandik. The guy didn't know what hit him. He said... Uh, Rebbe, Mr. Pshat, he says, let me tell you something. I came to America. The Blue Jew Rebbe went through the Holocaust. Right? A lot of stories about his... He went through the Holocaust, lost his whole family, rebuilt his family, came to America. He said, I had nothing. I was penniless. Right? Managed to, to find an apartment. Bezehu. One day I get a phone call. In those days, he didn't know who knows my phone number. Like, but... So he get, picks up the phone. He says, there are the, this is Moshe Yechiel Levi Epstein. He says, are you the Ojevar of the Rebbe? He says, yeah. So he says to him, the Ojevar Rebbe says to the Belushi Rebbe, he says, I know what you went through. I was in America. You went through the Holocaust. You were Makad Hashem Shemayim. And you lost everything. Right now, I'm giving you my shtibel. My whole shul, it's yours. I'm leaving. I'm giving everything to you. I want to have a chalik in your Kiddush Hashem. So the, the Blue Rebbe says to this, this Yid, he says, I've been waiting my whole life to be Makir Toiv. What can I do to the Ojev Rebbe to be Makir Toiv? I have an opportunity. You want to take it away from me? Or I'm making it here. This is his shtibel. And he's going to be the Sandik. That's the Akkoros HaToiv. Now, the emphasis is like this, that um, when we talk about going back to the Rashis, so this is Mamish Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is Rashis. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. It's the beginning of the year, and um, the Gemara says, Shona Sherosha Betchila Misasheris If you come to Rosh Hashanah like an Oni, 
like a rush, like an oni, kedalim the fact When you look at the beginning year like an oni, what does that mean? You understand that when the year starts, I have nothing. What I had last year is not a vice in what I'm going to have this year. This year is a new din. I come to Rosh knowing that Rosh Hashanah is going to be the creation of this coming year. So nothing is guaranteed. I realize it all comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Rosh Hashanah. So if you recognize that, Rosh Hashanah is the racious, and I have nothing, then you'll get rich at the end of the year. But if you come to Rosh Hashanah thinking, whatever it is, it is, this is not the, then you're missing the point. You're losing out what it's all about. The ma- magic of Rosh Hashanah is that Adam Harishan was created on Rosh Hashanah. That was the day, right? The world started the creation of but the creation of Adam Harishan was on the day we celebrate as Rosh Hashanah. So that is the day of the renewal of the creation. So Rosh Hashanah was the day Hashem created Adam. Rosh Hashanah every year is the day of recreating Adam Harishan. That's the Koyach. So uh, I saw this, I keep attached in his book, Living Inspired. So he says over that, um, he says, everyone knows that when you're dealing with a baby, when the, when the, the if you have a person who's a grown-up and something happens, you know, he gets punched, he gets hit, whatever it is, it's not the end of the world necessarily, right? You can, you can fix him up. But if you play with the fetus at a young age, that's the the slightest change is is extremely extremely devastating, right? You know, at the moment of conception, that's when all of the uh, DNA is formed, and at the same time, that's when most of the changes can take place. If there's going to be a change, but once things develop, it's very hard to change it. He says Rosh Hashanah is the day in which the year, the conception of your year, is Rosh Hashanah. The, t- the ten days of says Shuv like the days of gestation. That's the development. But Rosh Hashanah is the protoplasm of the whole year. You're creating your year on Rosh Hashanah. That's why Marshall it says he shouldn't sleep on Rosh Hashanah. Why shouldn't you sleep? Because you don't want to create a year in which half your day you're up there in oblivion, right? You want to create a day when you're totally conscious and every second is creating the protoplasm that's going to make the rest of the year a, 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 a you know, volatile year. And so the newness of Rosh Hashanah is a re- ability to recreate yourself. You can play with yourself. Rosh Hashanah, you can make the most changes in your machos because it's the rashes, it's the beginning, and everything comes from there. And if you recognize that and you understand that all comes from Rosh Hashanah, you can utilize Rosh Hashanah to its fullest and you can have the greatest impact on the year. And so... That's why you find that Rosh Hashanah is the day of Malchias. When Makabal Hashem is the Melech, we're, re, we're re-establishing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus. We would understand everything comes from today. Today is the Makoyer, today is the Rashis, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Melech. So that's the way you create your year. That's why you find the fascinating thing. Odom HaRishon was created from the Mokum HaMizbeach. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took earth from all over, and he created Odom HaRishon by the Mokum where the Mizbeach would be. So what is the pshat that he created? What is the mizbeach? It's a place where a person can achieve kapara. A person can achieve the greatest change by going from being uh, from bad to good. He can take away the ra and replace it with toiv. The greatest, so created a human being with the greatest ability and the greatest ability to affect change in himself. 
So a person has the capacity to change himself, to redo himself, to rebuild himself, and that's the reality of a person. But it's always this, this Kleich of Rashis. Rosh Hashanah can give you that. He says in Moir de Kazakh, you take the word um, Ani, which means me, right? And for the word Ani, there's two words that really you can form the word Ayin, Aleph Yud Nun, from the letters Aleph Nun Yud, Ayin. And there's also the word Ona. Ani Ona means, uh, when you say Ayin, it means it's not, right? Uh, so Ayin can mean it's non-existent, Ayin. And ona is a ona Hashem Hashina. It's a it's a term of beseeching something. It's a yearning for something, something new. At the same time, um, when a person says, uh, when a person wants to um, ask somebody, where, where are you coming from, right? So you, you ask the person, may I in Basa, from where did you come, <coughs> right? And when you ask him where you're going, you say, Ula on right? So the ona to highlight like the word ona, right? The ona, where are you going? And the ayin bosom of where did you come? At the same time, ayin means nothing, right? So when you say may ayin bosso, what you're saying is I come from nothing. May ayin bosom, where did you come from? But ayin also means nothing. So what it means by a yid's identity is I come from nothing. But to the place of greatest opportunity. Because ona means beseeching Hashem for something. So in the word ani, it carries with it the definition of what a human being can be. Right? I my I come may I in from, from nothing. Every moment of my life is a new creation. Every moment of my life is a new ischachis. With what capacity? Honor the capacity of the greatest undiscovered greatness. And so that's who a human being is. That's really the, the gift of Rosh Hashanah. You can come to Rosh Hashanah and may I, and you can maybe start the year. Uh, I, I, last year was a failure. But this year I can become Ani, and uh, you can go to the, to the greatest achievement. So just like we, the, the Mitzvah Bikur reminds us everything comes from a Koyer, we go into Rosh Hashanah, we have to realize that is the Makor of our year, the Makor of the, the, the formation of our future. <clears throat> if you nutzais Rosh Hashanah and use every moment of the day to whatever extent you're able to, you can formulate the year that will come from Brach and Hatzloch and all good things in Yitzhak Hashem. This is placed in this parsha because it's a precursor to If you have a parsha I'm going to do a different because you